Okay, here we go. Um, you should have a five in front of you. Again, we're indebted to Kleinig for this. Um, so the good, I'm sort of gathering up the things from the past, all the good stuff from the past, which is, you know, God's more willing to hear than we are to pray. So that's always good. And um, he takes your cause as his cause. So that's very, very nice. And then last week, um, you know, kind of taking the pressure off in a way and putting it on in a different direction, which is you have the great privilege of bearing people's, bearing people to Christ, carrying people to Christ. And um, the great thing about that is, you know, so often uh, the way w- that we dealt with sinners was to shame them. And shaming folks um, hardly ever works very well. And, uh, but, but, but not having um, the sense that you have to fix everything, but that the Lord can fix it. And you bear people with your prayers before the Lord, and then he gives them a healing touch, and then life's good. And that then invites people into a community, and it builds a community by having um, sort of the gentle touch as opposed to, um, you know, sort of scolding people in church, which never works for very long. By the way, I have to give proper, it wasn't the bartender at all at Shannon's. It was Byron Hydorn who was with the bartender at Shannon's. So if you're given... If you're given commission, um, you know, Byron gets the commission on that particular. So people come, people, they talk to, they complain to, to Byron or they complain to the bartender about their, in some, in some way, Byron's new ministry is to, to lean, on a, lean, on the, lean on the rail with a Guinness and with his church calls on and wait for people to come in and complain, then he pounces. The missionary barfly. Exactly right. There's people in need all over the place. So there you go. So thanks to, thanks to Byron for you know, doing, the, doing the good work. That was very nice. So, yeah, well, you know, there you go. It is what it is. A whole new mission field has opened up. It is horrible and good all in the same time. All right, so today this notion of prayer is sentry duty, which we've talked about from time to time. Uh, you know, and what we've said has always been stolen from, from John Kleinig, but here's the, a little bit of the broader, and you get his own, uh, you get his own thing. Um, you know, uh, the Romans not only conquered the world, they held it for six or 700 years, which is quite remarkable stuff. So, uh, you know, with the Romans, there are two kinds of soldiers. There were the conquerors and the holders. There were people who went out and, you know, did the work, the Marines, and then there were... Um, the folks who came behind and just sort of held on. Um, you know, the conquerors were often the young, virile, you know, could do any place, go anywhere kind of folks. And then the people who held it uh, were often the older folks, the veterans, you know, older in a relative term, but people who had experience. So um, it was those latter folks, the holders, who did the sentry duty. And this is a regular theme that comes up in the scriptures. You have it in the Old Testament, watchman, watchman, you know, all this kind of stuff. People who did sentry duty, it was a great big deal. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a laziness. It was, a, it was uh, active in its own way. So there were four watches in the night, and normally, um, you know, you see this in the Westerns. You know, if you, if you, if you watch Westerns, when do, when do they start to worry they're about to be attacked? When do they start to worry? When what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all. It's usually during the last watch, mm-hmm. and it's not when things get noisy. It's when things go 
quiet, because when all the sound stops, that means there's some creeping around, and all the uh, you know all you know the crickets and the animals are all lying low, uh, like the dog goes under my bed, you know, at two in the morning when the lightning comes, you know. It's just, you know. Uh, so she's safe and we're awake. So anyway, that means um, if you're that means that if 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 it comes. Um, if the attacks come late in the night, and then um, if the attacks uh, if the attacks come late in the night, and the attacks come when things go quiet, what skills do you need? What would you say? What would be, what are going to be your most valuable skills? Listening is going to be a terribly important skill. Night vision would be good. What else? So listening would be one skill. What would be another skill? Staying awake, the ability to stay awake, yeah, right. And so it's interesting um, that uh, falling asleep was punishable by death, right? Why is that? Because if you fall asleep, what happens? There's a breach in the there's a breach in the defense, and you're vulnerable. That's a great way to talk about it, yeah. So your ears are terribly valuable, being able to listen for what's happening, but also for what's not happening. Um, and, and when the normal noises in the night went quiet, then you often know things are about to explode. So the ability to be vigilant, to stay awake, and to be attentive, um, that was a valuable, valuable skill. We often think of um, work as being active, that real work is active, you know, building something, making something, doing something, fighting something. But we'll see in just a second in the scriptures, um, centuries only engaged in fighting as a last resort. Their primary thing was to pay attention, stay awake and pay attention. And they only, it's only if they were actually being overrun that a century would actually fight back. Okay, So you, we just have to hold that thought because that will be important later when we think about our prayers. And the worst crime, then, is to fall asleep, which you can translate then into the worst crime is not paying attention and saying your prayer. So we're going to hold that thought as well because that puts everybody at risk. So I don't know. We talked about this, you know, my favorite story about the monks or one of my favorite stories that people say, what well, you pray and it doesn't do any good. And the monk's reply is, um, you know, if we stop praying, <coughs> it'd be the end of the world. Who knows? Exactly right. If we stop praying, who knows what would happen? So in the same way, um, you know, uh, you put the whole empire at risk. You put the church at risk if you stop saying your prayers, which is why we should be respectful of. That's why something like when we do this, you know, you don't have to pray at everything you do. You have a men's softball game and, you know, everybody stops for prayer. That always strikes me just as a little strange. But, um, you know, something like praying downstairs before we start here, that's a very valuable thing because the prayers get said. Morning Eucharist, it's very valuable. The prayers get said. It's, very, it's easier in a group sometimes than it is for us to do it alone, but it is important that the prayers are said every day. It's why, you know, we shouldn't, for all the, you know, Lutheran bias we have against monks and nuns and all the rest, there is some good of that, which is somebody somewhere in the church is stopping to pray for the church. That actually, actually matters. And when we prayed for Paul this morning, that actually matters. Your prayers actually matter. Um, the church survives because you say your prayers. Not as sort of a force thing, but just... Jesus invites us to pray, and it's a way that we're kind to other people when we do that. So, um, also, and I mentioned this at the start, you know, in, it's all over the Old Testament, and it's also in the New Testament. And interestingly, 
um, standing watch and being a prophet or a priest, those things always went together as well. And so you have this very interesting text in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. It's there on your sheet. Um, Be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Vigilant means staying awake and listening. You know, so keep your senses about you. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of pops, but not when you're on sentry duty, okay? So be sober-minded means pay attention, right? Pay attention and be vigilant. Listen up. Um, you know, don't, don't lose your head. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And we've got to talk about that in just a second. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so, um, you know, one thing this suggests is, is that you don't have to go looking for trouble. You know, I I see this less and less, but it used to be, um, I used to know a lot more Christians who kind of looked for trouble. Usually they were people who underestimated um, the devil's power and uh, how much damage can be done in the encounter. You know, so uh, you don't have to look for trouble. Trouble is going to find you. You know, if you're in the church, you know, it's, it's Luther's old thing where you baptize a baby and then you say, I mean, Luther actually, there's a, there's a story about Luther, you know, where he actually baptized a baby and you're not supposed to add lib in the lib- liturgy, but he baptizes this kid and then he looks up and says to the congregation, wow, we didn't do this kid any favors, uh, which means, you know, you just paint a big target on him. I mean, a little bit, I mean, let's just take Paul. I mean, if Paul wanted to be miserable, he should be a pastor because he's sort of saying, come and get me. And, you know, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but it's, not, it's true for pastors, it's true for their families and their kids. It's also true for all of you. If you, when you enter the church, I mean, if we really want to destroy a guy, we make him, um, we make him the, the, the congregational president or we make him an elder. I mean, if we want people to suffer, we put him on the governing board because you sort of say, you know, come and get me. And, you know, there is always, it's just the obvious thing. Now, we've talked a lot about evil, and we've talked a lot about suffering. And so just to rehearse that, that's not a thing that should put you off. But if you offer yourself up or if you agree to do something, you should just know what's coming. You should just know that it's going to come. It can be shocking sometimes. It can be very painful. The other thing is, and we've talked about evil over and over again, at some point it ends, and at some point it, in, the, in the interim it just becomes sort of boring. There's no new tricks after a while, okay? So you get this big shock of evil, then it becomes a little bit boring, there's nothing new, you have to just kind of slog through, and then um, at some point it does end, and then you sort of get your period of, you know, as the Psalms say, um, it opens up from narrow straits into wide places. And then it sort of repeats itself. And this is the normal course of the Christian life, where you have light and darkness, light and darkness, which is very different from evil, you know, I had a long conversation with somebody yesterday that I sort of summed up this way. Um, you flee darkness, but you... Em- I'm sorry, you flee evil, but you embrace darkness. So you flee evil. Evil comes to get you. Don't touch evil. Never touch unholy things. Don't touch evil. So don't engage in things that are evil. Don't do things that are evil. Don't lie. Don't gossip. You know, pornography's off limits. You know, all the things that are... Don't touch evil, but darkness is the normal course of being a Christian and in, you embrace darkness, or I should say more accurately, you embrace Christ in the darkness. You know that he's there, you know you've been baptized, he puts the body and blood into you, you've got something to hold on to and you just keep going and eventually 
you walk out of the darkness or eventually the darkness lifts. So you avoid evil. And let me just tell you, if you touch evil, you are on your flippin' own. You know, if you touch evil, if you keep touching it, if you keep touching it, if you keep touching it, eventually, you know, there's a reason why it's called possession. Because you touch it, you touch it, you touch it, and then it has you. That's different. You avoid evil. You flee. Don't touch evil things. Don't touch unholy things. That's different than darkness, which comes to every Christian's life, because you are pushing against the cosmos, and the cosmos is pushing back. Okay? So Go ahead. Darkness is what, though? It's darkness what? is, can, it can be the feeling, it, it manifests itself in different ways for different people. It can be the intense feeling of being alone. It can be the feeling of spiritual despair. It can be um, the very strong sense of struggle. Christianity is just not easy. It's very difficult to say your prayers. It's very difficult to go to church. It's very difficult to um, love your family. It can be the, the Christian, the normal Christian things can be struggle. It can manifest, it can manifest itself just in um, kind of a malaise, you know, there's just the, the joy seems to have fled. And I've, I, I used for you, um, you know, the chief example is, is Mother Teresa, who said, you know, in the 50 years she worked in the slums in Calcutta, she was in darkness for about, she said, the only time I wasn't in darkness is the first day I rode the train into Calcutta. And then about 30 or 40 years in, she had eight weeks. I think she was on a pilgrimage, but I'm not sure. She had eight weeks where she said, I had light. But basically, for 49 of the 50 years, she's in darkness. Okay? And look at the good she did. Because she did what she's supposed to do. That's what I mean by embracing it. You stay the course. You do the right thing. You keep the discipline. You go to the Eucharist. You try to stick within your community. You just do what you're supposed to do. You, know, you just keep going. And that is, in scriptures, regularly talks about that as a purification. Well, what happens is, is that prayer is one of the things that is always a struggle. It's always pushing against the darkness. And if you're in darkness, it's, it's a particular struggle. Okay? But you just, keep, you just say, this is why discipline is so important in the church and should be heard as, a, as an advantage. To get up every morning, I mean, I just, I'll just tell you, and this is not a criticism of anybody that doesn't come, but just to have the, the Eucharist here every morning at 740, boom, there it is. It's going to happen. And, you know, you may not feel like going every morning, but at least, I mean, we've got to be there because you're going to be there. It's a great discipline and gift for us, and you're a blessing to us, and we're a blessing to you, and it all works together. I know it doesn't work for everybody because of all kinds of things. That's okay. But to have discipline, to, have, to make sure there's church every Sunday, to have friends that you pray with, to have family devotions, all those things are a way of embracing Christ even when things are difficult. And then also, it's a little like Lent. I said to... You know, Pastor Nelson, I'm, I've grown tired of Lent this year, you know. I'm ready for Easter. You know, it's, I'm, you know. <laughs> I mean, I just like, you know, it's been, a, it's been a rigorous, it has been a rigorous, tiring Lent. For, for some, I mean, I could tell you the reason, but for some reason it's just been a rigorous, not because there's been any kind of blow-ups or anything, it's just been, you know, it's little stuff like last night I wrote, you know, all the confirm. I signed all the Pastor Nelson signed all the confirmation certificates. I signed all the confirmation certificates. I left them because they're on this parchment stuff and the ink doesn't dry. So I left them there before I left last night. I'm going to, I'm going to gather them up this morning. It's leaked through the roof and they're all ruined. And you sort of say to yourself, you know, it's all right. You know, it's going to be fine. But it's just like I don't have another hour to. I don't like. I don't have another hour this week to kind of go back. Nor does he to go back. And you just sort of say, well, you know, what the heck. You know, 
But it's, it's, so it can be just that you just sort of, it is what it is. We needed the rain. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, and the rhubarb looks good. So you see, and see, this is the way you engage it, which is, you know, we'll trade the rhubarb for the confirmation because we know how to print new ones. It's just that, but it's, it's sort of, you know, that it can be little stuff. It can be huge stuff. The point is you always stay vigilant and you always do your duty. And the problem with us so often is that we hear do your duty is like this. No, you do your duty because you stay safe, your family stays safe, your church stays safe, your soul is safe, life is good. And within the boundary of that, all kinds of other people are not having a tough Lent. And all kinds of other people are very happy. And all sorts of other people are benefiting from your prayers. And all the people you've pulled near to Christ, rather than shaming them and yelling at them, and why don't you go to church, as opposed to saying, this person is dear to me and they're caught in this, and could you free them of that, and could you bring them along, and wouldn't this be good? You stay the course, and, and this is why the, the Christian life has always been understood as, you know, it's, it was the reading in the Eucharist this morning. If you love me, you'll do what I say. It's right after the vine and the branches, you know. If you abide in me and I abide in you, your joy, my joy will be in you, your joy will be full. Jesus' joy was to, you know, as he says, not be served, but serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So it all sort of fits together. So what all I mean by that is you just keep going. You don't keep going with evil. You do keep going in the darkness. Um, the darkness is often in the fourth watch. It's the middle of the night. Everything goes quiet. Here it comes. You don't know where it's coming from, but it is going to come because you have chosen to rebel against evil and the world is filled with evil. Okay? So Peter says, you know, right there it is, pay attention, be sober-minded, be vigilant, which means stay awake and listen. That's what you do. Um, and believers are always the target of the devil's attack, you know. He's got the unbelievers already. He doesn't need to work on them, right? I mean, you're it. You're all that's left. He doesn't need to work on the unbelievers. He's got them already. They're part of the gig. Um, and he doesn't want to frighten them unnecessarily. You remember, in, if you read Screwtape at some point in your life, you remember... You know, screw tape, you know, the old devil teaches the young devil how to tempt. And he always says, he says, the best we can do is to leave people who are, who are unbelievers, just leave them alone. Because he says, they wake up one day and they find themselves in hell. And then they go, what happened? I was just bumping along thinking everything was okay. They never really got sick. They lived a long life. Their kids behaved. They had a normal job. And they wake up in hell and they're like, you see, so part of it is, is you know, Satan doesn't destroy or attack, this is in the Psalms, why did the evil prosper? The evil prosper oftentimes because Satan's not upsetting them. When you can kind of look around and you can figure out how to get through life. Most people can kind of figure out how to get through. So if you are a believer, um, you're inviting attack. So, and, and, and faithful Christians, and especially faithful leaders, um, they are a threat to evil. So the devil accuses you. You know, and this is that's what it means. I mean, the 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 um, the word Satan. I think I, you know. I've told you. I'm sure is from the old, you know, it's the old ancient Persian word that meant um, he was the guy who used to bribe the guys in the post office. So they actually had an official who would go around and try to what we would call entrapment, but that was fair game for them. And that's where the word Satan. Comes. He's the guy who would always try to find legitimate people and draw them into some evil, right? And if he does that, you see, as soon as you, as you just think of the, of the economy of this, you just think of how it works. So you go to Martha, and she gets tempted, 
And then as soon as she gives in, how do you feel about yourself? Exactly, because, and you know what? Now you're bad, but all these other people are? Yeah, that's right, and so you can't come along anymore. Because all these people are good, and you're really bad. So the bad people should stay home on Sunday, and the good people can all come on Sunday and tell themselves how good they are. And so the church goes on, right? Which is how Satan gets to talking in your ear. I'm so bad I couldn't possibly go to church. And I said to you, you know, one of the most painful moments I've ever had, you know, here was when at the end of a new members class, you know, 10 years ago, when I said, you know, who, you know who's going to go? We were in downstairs in the other place. I said, who's going upstairs? One woman, you know, people saying, yeah, I'm going to join, I'm going to join. And then one woman said, yeah, I don't know if I'm good enough to go upstairs. And I'm like, man, talk about like a complete misfire. Yeah. You know, that, that was like, Whatever we did, whatever she heard, whatever other people did, whatever I did, we just, that was, now the good news is she did come and she's actually since died in the faith, which was great because she, that wasn't the story before then. But this is how Satan talks in your ears. Martha, wouldn't you like to touch some evil things? And then as soon as he touches them, you're dead. You remember the famous story of, um, I think it was Gorbachev, but it could have been Yeltsin. I think it was Gorbachev who took, he's running for president, and he took, his, he took the other candidate out, and he got him drunk the night before, and then the next day he stood up and gave a big speech and said what a lush the guy was, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's sort of like, hey, anything is fair, you know? So what you do is you, you get tempted into evil, you do evil, and then in your ear is you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're bad, they're good, you can't go there, and pretty soon then you're absented from the place that you belong, which is here. And you know how it is with, um, you've all seen the, you know, you've all seen the National Geographic channel where the young little baby wildebeest gets separated from all the big wildebeest, and then what happens next? That's right, yeah. It's a bad, bad situation, and you kind of like, you know, I know what's coming. I don't want to, so, okay, right? I don't want to see it. Exactly right. Although I did the one I just, the, the read comes to mind because I was flipping through and that came through and it was something with wolves, actually. What was really interesting is they all ran and, of course, the young was behind and the wolves attacked it and that was really interesting. They stood for a moment and watched and then they, it must have been buffalo. They can't, because there aren't wolves where there are wildebeest. So it must have been buffalo, but they came back and, like, the whole herd of them charged toward this. And, of course, that was enough to scare the wolves away. And then they, what do they do? What they always do, they circle, right? And then regularly they put the young and the, the old and the sick inside the circle. And then they all stand with horns out, right? Which is a great for what the church is supposed to be. Which is what the church is supposed to be. So when you do things, when you get tempted, you probably, what we would do then is we would just, the worst we would do for you is move your chair next to Joan. And then you have to stand with, Karen, you have to stand with horns out, okay, until she gets better, okay? When she gets better, then she can go back on the outside, right? But on the outside, you get dinged up, right? So when you get dinged up, what you don't want to do is get separated. When you get dinged up, what you want to do is get to the center and let your friends take care of you. Make sense? So what Satan is trying to do is get you separated from the pack, okay? Um, Now, how do you do that? So this is... um, Ephesians 6, which you've all heard, but maybe, you know, this can be yours today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So you don't have to whip up power on your own. And you remember we've had this theme continually through these 
talking about prayers, which is you don't have to be strong. Christ is strong. You just do what Christ gives you to do. And then you point at him and say, you know, he told me to do it, or he said he would listen, or he made me part of the family, or he gave me his gift. Put on the full armor of God so that you may have strength to stand against the devil's schemes. So my favorite when I was growing up, one of the, one of the real reasons I know that I'm getting old is that I can't name any children's shows. I mean, Dora the Explorer, was about the, that's about the last thing in my memory, right? But now that's not even Dora. I mean, I couldn't even talk to your kids anymore because I can't, like I turn stuff on and I'm like, I don't even recognize who all these multicolored people are. <laughs> there are I mean, Saturday they were all like green and red and wigs and getting into a car and I'm like, I don't, I can't even, baby bop, something like that? Yeah, okay, so I'm just not... But my favorite last show that I actually liked was the show with the guy whose name was Schemer. Do you remember this? Did you grow up with this? I loved that show. The, the antagonist, his name actually was Schemer. They called him Schemer. I'm like, that is perfect. He was the guy who was always causing trouble. I'm like, I love that show, Schemer. So there it is. I mean, this is it right here. It's like Eddie Haskell dating yourself. Exactly right. Although Kirby and I often say, you know, we'll often say, yeah, he's Eddie Haskell, which is, and we all know what we mean by that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. So, um, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My grandmother got the color TV, and then the cool thing was she got the remote, but my aunt had some jingly bracelets, and she could jingle her bracelets and make the channel change. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. It was like magic. It was like I had David Blaine in my own family. Change the channel. Ding, 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 ding. I'm like, that was before the remote got refined. So cool. Like, how does she do that? She's like, she's like magic to me. Okay, so, um, no, exactly right. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces. So now you've got to just kind of take that in. So you live in a world, and it is true that Christ has conquered this world with the incarnation and resurrection. So we're just, we're just sort of, until the second coming, it's just sort of a mop-up. But as you know, you know, every once in a while, during a mop-up, you know, a car explodes, or somebody gets shot, or somebody breaks into a hotel and takes hostages, or whatever. So we're in the mopping-up time, but it's still a dangerous time. It's still a dangerous time, because you still have um, rulers, and authorities, dark powers, and evil forces. And you have to take all that seriously. So it's not just your sins, you know. I, I want to say this, in as, and my sins too, I want to say this in as gentle a way as I can. This whole notion of, of sin as we did something wrong is, is too meek. You know, too, you know, without, see, it doesn't have to be, this is how it feels to me. We would talk about doing sins, and then we would, scold and shame people, and then don't do that again, as if everything was okay. Sin is a whole different thing than that. Sin actually means you touch darkness. I mean, if there was ever a reason to let your kids read Harry Potter, you know, and I can remember when we had the school, and there was the big, like, I was called to rule on whether or not Harry Potter would be in the library. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, the poor, you know. You know, one of the great things about Harry Potter was kids of that generation actually got the sense that there was light and darkness. As opposed to sins being, you know, bullying somebody or stealing something. No, actually sin, you just have to know, 
to sin is to touch darkness, you know, and all that stuff about breathing into people. And, you know, I read them all because they were fun and they were interesting, but there's also something very pregnant about how evil was described. You suck the life out of people. People absorb evil. They touch things and they're polluted. That's all very biblical language. And kids who are of that age, you know, the fact that they absorb the notion that that's what evil is, because we often think, and you can tell that we think that about evil because of the way we treat it when we get forgiven, right? So you do something really horrible, you say something really horrible, you pound on somebody, you pound on somebody, you pound on somebody, you say, oh, I'm sorry, okay, you're forgiven, as if nothing happened. And that's why we spend so much time talking about restitution and making, right, making things right. Because you know what? When you pound and pound and pound and do and do and do, it just doesn't go on away. And if you don't believe me, I can introduce you to people who have done really horrible things with really long-lasting effects. Well, what I meant is I'd introduce you to yourself. So, um, you know, to touch evil, you know, to touch evil is to be engaged by forces, you know, rulers, authorities, spiritual powers, a dark world. So, now, you shouldn't despair about that. It's shocking, and it's potent, but in the end, there's nothing new. It basically boils down to this. You draw a circle around the faithful, you know, all horns out, pay attention, and life is good. That's, it's not complicated. You know, it's not a complicated scenario. The complication is in staying awake and doing what you're asked to do and receiving the doing as a gift and not as a burden. You know, take up my burden. My burden, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. As in, this is the best way to make it through life. I mean, to, to, to have the sense of the church as somehow punishing you or ruin your fun is just not to understand what the church is about. The church really is about, at the deepest level, saving you from a lot of pain and also, you know, bringing you to a place of light and beauty for an eternity. That's what the church is about. The church is not about being a good person or being moral or shaking fingers or saying us and them. The church has morphed into something that, the, you know, the scriptures and the church fathers and mothers don't know about. You know, the church is about being sons and daughters of light. That's what the church is about. And about protecting yourself from the darkness. And when people, so think of your prayers this way. Your prayers are calling people back who have sort of been separated from the circle, calling people back into where it's safe and warm and dry and family. Does that make sense? And with your sins, you put a breach in the wall, right? which is why you don't sin. With, the, with your sins, you open, you open the possibility of darkness to leach into your family, your soul, your church, your community. That's why you don't sin. You don't sin because it's not good for you. This is not complicated. If you touch evil, it, it's, it destroys you, and it's very painful, right? So um, now, what to do with that? <coughs> so um, now you can count and you can think, which would be two things. Think about what each of these things do. Um, in fact, maybe we should do it in, in advance. I, you know, there, Seven is always a complete number in the Scripture. You'll notice there's only six things listed here. There's, a, there's the belt, you know, which kind of holds everything together. So when you, you think about a, a soldier, um, the belt kind of held things together. The breastplate protected all the vital things. So you, you heard about the cop this week in Chicago who was, you know, shot just above his, just above the Kevlar, you know, and just about did him in. Um, you know, just, a, you know, what an unfortunate thing. So, you know, the, the Kevlar, the shield, protects your whole front bit. 
um, shoes are, are, are uh, people didn't normally wear shoes, you know, so it's a strange thing that people have shoes, they wore them for protection and for traction. So that's a different than normal people. Um, the shield, of course, you know, and you've all seen gladiator movies, and if you hadn't, you should. So, um, you know, uh, apparently you're not the same demographic as men who watch gladiator movies, but that's okay. Uh, you know, obviously a shield, you know, comes up against any spear, sword, uh, or, you know, flaming arrows in this case is how it talks. You know, you ra you've seen the thing where everybody puts up their shield and all the arrows go... But then everybody's okay, and then they put them down and march ahead. And the arrows come, and they put over and everybody, they just, it's the coolest thing. Um, and then, of course, a helmet, you know, to protect your brain box, you know, because if you, you know, you get a short circuit if anything gets in there. And then the last thing is the sword. And you remember, um, you know, the sword for a Roman soldier was um, strong, thick, and usually meant to thrust, okay? So that's the... You know, if you have to, but it's, it's for close combat. And so, um, now that's only six, but uh, as we read through this, you might think of the sword. He talks about the sword as being um, the word, but of course the word actually has, a sword has two edges, and the word has two pieces. There's God speaking, God says what he says to you, but then you also speak his words back to him. So the word is both scripture and prayer, and that gets you to the seven. Because the word is always, it doesn't go out void into the world. The word is given to you to use. So the word is always this backing and forthing. God speaks and you speak back to him. Our Lord speaks to us, we speak back to him. Boom, 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 boom. When he speaks, we call it scripture or prophecy. When we speak back, we call it prayer. So that's, that's the double thing. So now you, you listen to that when you hear this. Um, and listen how much talk there is about standing and staying and staying put. This isn't on the offensive. This is like the circle is built, you know, kind of hold the line, okay? Um, so it's all against the darkness. Take on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, and it'll come, you don't have to find it. So the evil day will come. So you're standing around, you're waiting for evil to come. Meanwhile, you're calling people with your prayers into safety. Come here, come this direction. You know, we're over here. This is the place you want to be. Therefore, the full armor of God, so when the evil day comes, you may have strength to stand your ground. See that? And after you've done everything, stand. Stand then. So three times in a row in about ten words. Stand, 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 which is take your position and stay there. Stand then, having buckled on the belt of truth. That truth holds things together. If you don't have truth, things fall apart. So truth holds things together having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So what protects you is, is righteousness, you know, forgiveness, but also holiness protects you. Unholiness undoes you. You know, everything spills out and gets broken. If you touch evil, it undoes you. If you touch righteousness, it protects you, right? Having fitted your feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, not war. This is defensive posture. So your feet are protected, you know, and if you have to push or hold, you've got some traction for that. And in addition to all this, having taken the shield of faith, so defensive, a shield is defensive. You hold it up against what's coming against you, with which you have the strength to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the attack is coming. It's going to come in different directions. One way it comes is on the fly. And receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying. You see that? 
So the sword has two bits, the speaking, but also the praying. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. And we've been doing all kinds of prayers and requests for weeks. People you know, people in need, people who sin, people who've been shamed, people who feel they're on the outside, people who've been accused, people you've lost track of, you know. You know, you get all kinds of stuff. One of the things we've learned is the most important thing is just to spill it out. Praying at all times in the Spirit, you know, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Staying awake. There it is again. Be vigilant. Stay awake. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Stay awake. Stay awake. Stand your ground. Right? For this, with all persistence, you just keep going. Even in the fourth watch of the night, even when it's dark, you just keep going. Someday the sun comes up. Someday things get brighter. You keep going. In requests for all the saints, so you pray for everybody in your congregation. So now you've prayed for people who are out there. You pray for people who are here. And on behalf of me, you pray for me. You pray for your pastors. You pray for, you know, St. Paul in this case. So that a word may be given with the opening of my mouth to make the mystery of the gospel known with boldness. And the mystery of the gospel is Christ, and Christ is light and truth. So with your prayers, you say, hey, we're light. Come into the light. Come into the joy. That's darkness out there. That's painful. This is good. That scatters. This is together. That's ugly. This is beautiful. Right? That wears you down. This builds you up. That has an end. This goes on forever. Yes, please. Right. You're the Marines. The young. Right, exactly right, yeah. That's right. That's very good. Right. That's very, very helpful. And uh, it's important. And you're about to go off. So when are you going next? Almost. Okay. So we'll get, we'll get all lined up. That's the prayer goal. The, the, um, I'm sorry. No, that's good. That's actually, no, that's exactly right. It's very important to get things lined up in advance and to be <laughs> disciplined about it and, and, um, this is a very nice thing. This is just a very good thing. Now, there will be days when you think you can't do that. Um, but I should go back all the way to the first verb where it says, be strong in the Lord. The, the, the most accurate translation of that is, borrow some strength from the Lord. And you remember we've um, talked a little bit about borrowing in the past. You borrow some strength from the Lord. We've actually talked about um, you know, uh, saying petitions for other people. This is, it's very hard to describe the Christian life for people because as soon as you say, why don't you do this, they all think, everybody thinks that they're doing it, <laughs> you know. But of course, in the Christian life, you never run on your own steam. So we have to talk in a particular way. This is what you should be doing. But you always, especially, and this is the strength of Lutheranism, you always remember that you are never running on your own steam, that the Lord forgives you and resurrects you and strengthens you to follow him, and to follow him means to do what he does, which is fantastic, but it's never on your own. So, um, and you couldn't make it on your own anyway because you're flesh and blood, and you will be destroyed if you're only flesh and blood. When you come up against the powers of darkness, you'll be destroyed. This is why, you know, and, and I'm so glad to see so many of these things has died, or maybe I'm just stupid um, and uninformed, which would be okay too. Because I, then I have less to worry about. But I can remember the whole time I was a teenager in, in camps, there was all this 
kind of revival stuff. And I could always remember kids would go off to camps and they'd always talk about they did exorcisms and all this kind of stuff. And Did you get exposed to this or not when you were kids? Thank God. Mm-hmm. And I always think, uh, you know, people who expose themselves to that, even in a juvenile way, nevertheless run the risk of coming in contact with dark things. It's the same thing with the... Go ahead. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that is about this. What you might as well just change. Why don't you? Why don't we train teenage nuclear submarine captains and tell them where the red button is? Because it is just so. I just, you know, here's the thing. I can't. I, my blood pressure is starting to go up. Okay, and I just can't even be drawn into that conversation. It is. It is. You know, you just. Uh, well, you know. All I can say is there's a reason there's a limited number of exorcists and there's a reason that every year they all go to the Vatican for intense training and prayer and consolation. Um, people know not what they do when they do that. So, you know, it's not trivial stuff. I mean, it's not trivial here. It's basically life and death. And see, that in some sense, that doesn't take... people. It's really interesting how people who think they take Scripture seriously don't take it seriously at all. Because if it's really life and death, I mean, you wouldn't put your kid behind the wheel of a Ferrari. You wouldn't send them. Look how we feel about kids sent off to war, even after they've been trained for a long time and been through boot camp and been equipped and jumped out of airplanes and shotguns. And then we send them out. We still worry about them. But no, when it comes to Satan, which is the primary challenge, we just say, hey, we'll have a little retreat between 7 and 9 tonight, and then tomorrow we'll start with the exorcisms. Uh, You just think to yourself... Yes, I mean, stupidity is its own punishment. Yes, even driver's ed takes longer. That's exactly right. So, yeah, exactly. So there's, you know, there's nothing you can, you can do with that. Well, the good news is that you actually have these resources available. You know, you, um, four times, you, you would expect, and, and just exactly to your point, that kind of attitude suggests that um, we're on the attack, right? We're on the attack. That's actually not what the text says. The text says stand still four times. It doesn't actually say gather up your young inexperienced and send them on the attack, uh, re the wildebeest story. Um, you know, it says actually stay put where you are and flourish in this way. You call people out into the circle, into the circle. You call people outside into the light with your prayers, and it tells you, you know, exactly how to do that. You got um, baptized. You already got in your baptism. Um, you got a lot of the things that you need to do this, which is you get um, truth and forgiveness and gospel and faith in your baptism. So the first four things he talks about, every Christian has. Now, you need some experience and you need some, some care and you need some you know, mentoring, but you get that stuff in your baptism. And the last three um, are the ones you use every day. You act at your salvation, the helmet, and you say your prayers. So that, those seven things sort of bundled together are the things that are meant for you to do your work. So it is true, you know, in the tr- you know, every heresy is just, you know, usually heresy is not exactly opposite. Every heresy is just cockeyed. And so, you know, in, it, it does mean when you're baptized that you're enrolled in some sense in Christ's militia. Although, you know, it's very difficult to sing onward Christian soldiers anymore because people have associated that with, you know, all kinds of things, not the church, you know, either with a political campaign or, you know, the liberation of some country or another or whatever, or us and them. 
um, the reality is you are enrolled in Christ's militia, but not to go on a crusade. Um, you know, crusades always go wrong uh, for a range of practical reasons and normal reasons. Um, uh, well, there's a reason that we, reason Wheaton College changed their name, right? Um, the, the, the attacks always discredit us in the world. Question? Well, foreign missions are the other kind of people. So there are the Jan Grzeskis of the world, or you know the Burmeisters. There are people that you send out to do this, but this is not the, they're not the, they're not normal. <laughs> they're special. Yes, that was the word I was searching for. They're special. Yes, yeah, so this is, that is exactly right, yes. This is, this is, yes. So this is the this text is about the normal life of every Christian. You get baptized, you get given these gifts, and every Christian does sentry duty. Every Christian stands watch, right? Everybody doesn't. Now there are the special people who then in fact get sent out. And in the old days with missionaries, it's really and this is not that far away. Only two generations back or three, when a missionary, you know, got on the boat to go be a missionary somewhere. You know, when the land disappeared behind them, they knew they were never coming back. I mean, that was it. I mean, in the old days, when you went to Africa or you went to, you know, South America, when you went somewhere, when you waved goodbye, that was it. You were gone and you were never coming back, Is right? You were just, that's just how it was, you know. Um, and that's not, that's only a couple generations back. So those people are different and, and there's a whole, you know, there's a whole category for taking care of people like this. But this is just for us normal people. Question? Just a quick comment. When my, my daughter was at Carthage, she was yeah. about six months old when we visited. Yeah, right. We always think missionaries are awesome. Well, it's probably true um, in some sense. You know, the, and the world has inverted itself, where the, the rate of uh, growth is much higher below the equator than above the equator, for example, in the Christian church. Now, there's all sorts of things that need to be factored in when you talk about that and how you understand church and blah, blah. But it's a real, it's a real thing that people feel like, you know, that, that we're the mission field now. And, you know, that's, we could probably use the help. <laughs> we could probably use the prayers. Um... You know, maybe that's as far as we'll go today. It's 10.30. There's no way I'm going to finish up with um, what we've got here. So I'll tell you what. We won't go next week because next week would be Good Friday. But we'll go the week after that. And uh, we'll just sort of, we'll do the rest of this. And we will kind of clean up anything else you want to talk about. But this is, so the last thing I want to say about this is, this is normal life. And that's maybe the most important thing for you to see. This is your normal life in Christ, which is you get yourself baptized, you live in light, not in darkness, you stand your ground, and you've been given the gifts to stand your ground, and you have this extraordinarily important task, which is to not be breach. You never want to be the person who lets the enemy in. Because if you let the enemy in, the whole community is at risk. Um, you know, if you're the one, if you let the devil in the door, 
The whole community is at risk. And that's true for a church, that's true for a family, that's true for a marriage, that's true for if you're the one who lets it in, you know, that's why the penalty was death for that. Because, because you can have your death now or you can have your death later. On the other hand, you have all the, all the gifts to um, not only hold the line, but also beckon those in the darkness, you know, a voice in the darkness, that people light in the darkness, that people can come home again. And then they're all, then the rest of the story is people who then are, the other part of the story is certainly people who are sent out, but that's not what this story is about. This story is just about normal folk. Make sense? So, and all I can say is say your prayers. I mean, it's, it's difficult. Praying is the most difficult thing because it's so easy and so hard. You know, it's so easy, and because it's so easy, it's so hard. Um, but, and that's why discipline and obedience, you really need to hear those as gospel words. Discipline just means you set a time and a place. And if you're not really, really strong, you also have a form. And you use other people's prayers because otherwise your prayers do just become, I, I want a pony, I want a pony, right? So you, you, you know, there is a prayer life. There's reasons for all these things and not to be, those aren't to be dismissed because that's learned over, you know, centuries of people praying. They've learned. And if you always reinvent the wheel, you're never going to make much progress. You're never going to be quite as effective. We stand on the shoulders of people who've gone before us. Um, so, anyway. All right. Um, happy last Lent 5. And then next week, you know, a lot going on. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.